as you. As we're all here together, this, this 40 days of love is extremely important. As the church continues to grow and it has been growing, it is so important that everyone feels like they're a part of this body, that you have relationships. You know, I, I listen to the music and I just, it, it puts me, it puts me in a place where I can really use the gifts that God has given me in, in bringing the word of God to you. And Sunday mornings, I think, are, are just wonderful here at Grace Chapel with, with what God has given us as the body of Christ. But you know, Sunday mornings are only a part of the church. And really not, I mean, it's obviously an important part of the church, but what's just as significant, what's just as important is what happens the other six days of the week. Are you building relationships? Are you getting close to other people? Do you feel connected? Do you feel like you're a part of the body of Christ? Or are you just kind of like, you know, I've been coming for a while. I don't feel, I don't feel that connection. Well, I want to really, really encourage you right now that we have an opportunity and there, there, are, there are different groups going on at different times from seven o'clock in the morning till six, seven o'clock at night. There are groups going out throughout, throughout the week, different days. There is a group that is meeting right now, uh, talking about 40 days of love that you can be involved in that will fit your schedule. And if there's not one, why don't you start one? There's materials out there. You put in a, you put in a DVD. Rick Warren is teaching a lot of these. He's teaching, I guess, all of them. And, and then you have an opportunity to listen to him and then discuss in your group. You don't even have to be a great Bible study leader or group leader to, to maybe lead a, a six-week series in your, in your own home. So if you, don't, if you can't find one to get involved in, we'll help you start one and connect some other people to your group. We just want, as the leadership of the church, for every single person in this body to feel like they're a part of this body. And the next six weeks is going to be one of the greatest opportunities that we have so far this year in, in years to really pull everyone together. So please take the time to pray about this and think about it. Please think through when you can get involved in a group so that you can build some people around you that you can invest in, who can invest in you, so that you feel like you have friends, you feel like you're a part of the body of Christ. I really, with all of my heart, with everything in me, want to, to encourage you to connect for just six weeks. If it's just six weeks, at least you build some friendships and relationships. For just six weeks, take the time to get involved in one of these life groups doing 40 days of love because it will, it will literally change your experience here at Grace Chapel and may even change your life, may even change your life. We are obviously kicking off a new series this morning called 40 Days of Love. And if you want your life to count, if you truly want your life to count, then it needs to have focus. You need to focus. You don't have time for everything. I'm asking you to do this, and you're thinking, when can I fit this into my schedule? Well, I know you don't have time for everything, and not everything that you do is of the same value. So you need to focus your life on what is really important. What are the important things in life, and how do I focus on those important things? Jesus said the most valuable treasure that we have in life is love, is loving God and loving each other. When he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They specifically asked him, what is the most important commandment? What is the most important thing to do with your life? 
And, God, and Jesus said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. God says these are, two of the most, these are two of the most significant things in life. The two most important things in life are to love me. God says to love me and to love other people. You know, I think we all know that. I think you're all sitting here like, oh, shocking. Boy, I'll tell you, that's what we love about Jeff Greer. He's always come up with something unique and creative and amazing. You all knew that already. I think we all understand that in here. But does it translate into our hearts? I think we sometimes just forget. And we get into routines of life and we just forget. We all know loving is the most important thing, but we forget to actually do it. And we get so distracted by other things that come into our lives. This morning, we're going to look at the three laws of love the three laws of love, and we're going to lay a foundation for the next 40 days. So we lay our foundation and we start out by looking at the three laws of love. And the first law of love is the best use of life is love. The best use of your life, the best use of my life is love, is to love, is to share that love. Let me give you three reasons why. First, Love validates my faith. Well, you say, well, what do you you mean by that? It validates my faith. Love shows, love proves that you are a part of the family of God. Love shows that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It shows, it validates our faith. Our love, how we love God, how we love others, validates our faith. You think about it. How do you know you're a believer? Like, I, I, can't, I can't point out and say, well, you're nicer than that person and that person, and so you're a believer. Or not. I can't, that's not my, my responsibility to tell who, who's a believer. I don't know. I can't, I don't know your heart. So how do you know? I mean, when you, for yourself, how do you know you're a believer? How do you know you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, it says, test yourselves, examine yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So it doesn't tell me to examine you. It tells you to examine yourself. And the greatest, the greatest test, one of the greatest ways to pass the test, to know that you've examined yourself and you've passed it, is to love. One of the greatest tests is love. Do you love God? Do you love others? Is that a part of your life? Is that your desire? The Bible says that God looks at our lifestyles and he says, he says do you love? Do you love? Do you love me with all of your heart? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? That's what God is looking at. That's what God is focused on. Love. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Love is powerful. Love is the most powerful force. The love of Jesus Christ in each of our lives on this earth. And God is saying, and he focuses on our lifestyles. He's focused on our lives and says, he's saying, do you love? Do you love me? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? First John 4, 8 says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Let me read that again. Whoever does not love, break it down. Whoever does not love does not know God. So if you don't love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. It's part of his character. God's character is, part of God's character is love. One of God's attributes is love. So if you don't love, then the Bible says you don't know God. So you say, well, how do I know if I'm a believer? One of the main, one of the main points is, do you love? 
the reason why God wants us to learn to love so much while we're on this earth, we were put on this earth for a purpose. This is practice for eternity, just so you know. We're put on this earth for a purpose. And one of the purposes we put on this earth for is to love. And God wants us to learn to love on this earth because he wants us to become more like him. That is his desire, that we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. If someone says, I love God, but you don't love your brother, if you hate your brother, the Bible says, you're a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Thomas Mann wrote, Life and hope for the world are to be found only in the deeds of love. Amen to that. That is what is going to transform this world with all the economic situations going on, with all the the politics and government and big government and small government and what are they going to do and how are they going to do it. The only hope for our world The only hope for our world is that we, we stand up and show deeds of love, that we, we, we express ourselves with love, that we transform lives with love, that this world is changed, that our country is changed as we reach out in, and we reach out in love. Second, second, love integrates my life. It integrates my life. In other words, it becomes the dominant life principle that holds everything else in place, that holds everything else together. It's what integrates my life, my social life, my financial life, my work life, my church life, my sex life, my family life, all those things are all held together. They find, their, they find their cohesion. They find their integration in love, in love. You need to have something, my friends, at the core of your heart that binds all those things together. Otherwise, your life becomes fragmented. You wonder sometimes why you struggle in life. Why doesn't life go the way I would like it to go? Why is this and why can't I, why can't I get it together? Why are there, why are there, oh, there's some, there's some moment over here and then something happens over here and something happens over here because our lives are fragmented. Love holds all of these things together. Every part of your life, love becomes the foundation. It's what holds every other piece of your existence together. And without it, it becomes fragmented. It falls apart. You can't sustain it. We need to have that love. Everybody builds their life on something. Everybody builds their life on something. Some people, some people will build their lives on their, their money, becoming rich. Other people will build their their lives on fame, becoming popular. Some people are going to build their lives on success, and some people are going to build their lives on pleasure. That's their life goal, pleasure. Some people are going to build their lives on hobbies. Everybody builds their lives on something. We all do it. You You can't avoid it. But if you don't build your life on love, you're going to have a fragmented life. There are lots of things that we can lay our foundation upon. There are lots of things that we can build our lives upon. But we need something that is, listen, we need something that is so strong at the center that when life begins to, when the, when, when, when the, when the trials come, when the problems come, when the difficulties of life come, it, it, we, we have a foundation. We stand firm. It pulls us together in a strong way. 
when the tribulation comes and the trials comes and the trials come and the problems come and the emotional earthquakes, the financial tsunamis of our lives hit us, we need something that is going to bind us together. When you're battered and you're beaten and you're worn, you better have something at the center of your life that's holding it all together or else your life is going to blow apart. You have to have something at the foundation. And God is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, the foundation needs to be love. It needs to be love. It is strong enough to hold everything else together. You know what I found is the most powerful thing in the world to transform someone's life? As a pastor, I found this. I don't care what a person's been through. I don't care what background they have. I don't care what story they tell me, what their testimony is, what horrible experience they faced in the past. The one thing that I have found, it is not the great books that I have on my bookshelf. It is not the words that I can come up with to tell that person. It is not, it is not this, this, this counselor. That, you know what it is? It is individual people in that person's life who love them unconditionally. And they love them unconditionally long enough where that person breaks through all the chains and all the barriers and all the pain of their past. Someone invests in their lives so much. Someone loves them so much. Love crushes everything else. Love is so dominant that if someone loves someone to that degree, that love can overcome all of those things. The people become healthy because they know someone loves me. It, I, it's it's I can't describe it to you. I just see it happen. I see people go to, 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 who work through their issues for years and years and years. Then someone comes along who invests in that, person life, that person's life and loves them and loves them through it. And they are set free. They are healed. Love heals wounds. I don't care what kind of wound it is. Love heals wounds. What just jumped into my mind. Remember when you were really little? and you cut yourself, whatever else. You know, it wasn't just the band-aid that your mom put on your arm, was it? Wasn't it the way your mom treated you when you were sitting down and she was putting the band-aid on your arm? The kisses on the cheek or the, uh, you know. It's funny, you ever, little, little kids, when, when they're done with the boo-boo, what do they want you to do? They want you to kiss it, okay? They want you to kiss it. Love heals, and there's healing power Physically, emotionally, spiritually, there is healing power in love. There is healing power in love. Love is strong enough. It keeps everything in our lives centered. It keeps everything else in our lives focused. Third, love reverberates forever. It took me about two minutes to say the word reverberates in the first service. You ever get tongue-tied and you can't say a word? Philanthropy is my other one, okay? I didn't know reverberates was one until the first service. I probably said it a thousand times. When I got there, I'm like, I can't even tell you what I was saying, but it wasn't reverberates. Love reverberates, okay, forever. You say, well, what, what does that mean? It means it goes on and on and on. Love reverberates forever. It echoes in eternity. In fact, everything else in your life is temporary, Everything else in your life, it, it, it doesn't hold the same power. Love is what goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Everything else in your life is temporary. Love is the most significant thing. Every single little act of love will echo in eternity, and in eternity, God will reward you for it. 
That is the truth. That is, the, that, is, that is what God will remember. That is what God will hold you accountable for. How you loved and did not love those around you. There's where you're going to be held accountable. Every little act of love, everything you, you walk down the street and if you did something kind for someone, you know, I like those commercials where it's an insurance commercial and one person sees one person doing something for them and they open the car door and they save the person from walking in the street and someone else and it kind of goes along. That's what we're talking about. Every little act of love is going to echo in eternity. It's going to make a difference in your life and the life of the person you love. But not only that, God is going to reward you or not reward you for how you love other people on this earth. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this, and now these three things remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is going to last forever. It is going to follow you from this life into the next. If you want to build a legacy, you say, I want to leave a legacy. I want, to be, I want people to remember me. And I'm not talking arrogantly. I'm not talking about, I want to make my mark. I'm talking about you want to build a legacy. You want to leave a legacy. You want people to remember you. If you want people to remember you and you want to leave a legacy, love. Because love lasts. The person that you invest in, the person that you put your life into and you show love to, that person's going to take that love and going to pass it on to someone else. When someone who is very loving dies, it, 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 it echoes in other people's hearts and lives all around because they know they're never going to get that, 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 that stroke again. They're never going to get that encouraging word again the same way. They're never going to get that look from that person. You know who I'm talking about. There's some people who are so loving and so compassionate that when they're gone, you know they're in a better place, but you know what? You're left here empty in a little way because that person put so much love into your life. And it matters so much. They're, they're loved so intensely and they've loved so intensely that when they're gone, there's a part of you that is missing. You know, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew. I'm going to read you something. You've heard it before, I'm gonna, but I want to read it because sometimes we read these things and we don't, we don't pay attention. It's Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. This is how love, this is, this, is, this is how love will reverberate into eternity. It says, Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes, okay, when Jesus Christ comes in his glory, when he comes back in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered together before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, listen to this, come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? Why? Why does he, how does he separate people out? Look at this. When the son of man comes, when Jesus comes again, okay, he separates the sheep and the goats. And he says, why is he going to separate those? He says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when do we see you? Right? You know it. And he'll say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And I'll tell you something else. You read on and the opposite is true for those who did not show love. What is Jesus saying there? 
You loved me enough when I was hungry. You gave me some of your food. You took the time to come and visit me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I needed something to drink, you dug wells for me so I wouldn't die of diseases. You cared about me, not just about yourself. How does he separate the sheep from the goats? How does he separate those who are believers in Jesus Christ and those who are not believers in Jesus Christ? My friends, it comes down to one simple thing. Love. Did I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind? And did I love my neighbor as myself? Law number two. The best expression of love is time. How do you spell love? You've heard this before. Yeah, T-I-M-E. Time. That's how you spell love. T-I-M-E. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's not just something you feel or you say. It's something that you do. Love is something that you do. Obviously, you feel love for people. Obviously, you want to tell people how you feel about them. But it's not just what you feel. And it's not just what you say. It's what you do. Question. What is the most desired gift of love? What is the most desired gift of love? When you love someone and you want to show someone, how much you love them. What is the most desired gift of love? Is it, is it diamonds? Because we all know that diamonds are forever. <laughs> is it flowers? Flowers are good. You can express your love. You can give someone flowers. That's, that's nice. Candy, chocolate. See, women are, a lot of women are going, yeah, chocolate. Diamonds and chocolate for women are right there. Diamonds are a little ahead. You know what I'm saying? but they'll sometimes sell their diamonds to get chocolate. So I'm not sure what exactly is ahead of what. No, those things aren't the most important. Those things don't express love the most, in the most significant way. You know what? The, most, the way to express your love, the way that is most significant, the way that people receive it in the best way, it's, it's my friends, it's when we show people focused attention. It is time. The greatest expression of love is focused attention. It's time. When you give someone your time, you're giving them the greatest gift that you can give them in life. That is the greatest gift of love. It is, it is focused attention. It is time. You know, I, you, you, if you real, I, I, don't, I didn't forget, but I'm reminded of how significant that is. I'm reminded that, that what I just said was true by my four-year-old son, Josh. Okay, because when I get home, Josh wants to know a couple of things and, and, and they're all based around one major issue. What are we going to do together right now? Are we going to wrestle together right now? And are you going to spend time with me wrestling? Or are you going to spend time with me talking to me? Or are you going to spend time with me playing with the remote control car outside? Or are you going to spend time with me with swords? Or are you going to spend time with me, whatever it is? He wants to know how much time I'm going to spend with him. I never get home seriously from work. And Josh said, what'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? All he cares about is you brought me what I wanted. It's you. Let's go wrestle. Let's go play. Let's go talk. Let's go hang out. Let's, let's, let's spend some time together. That's what he cares about, time. He cares about me investing my life into him. That is how he receives love. You see, we all have, we all have the same amount 
You know, we can, a lot of people have different kinds of energy. Like some people have more energy than other people. We all have different levels of wealth, right? We all have different levels of, or, of talent. We all have different, if you said, well, who, that guy has more energy than that guy, or that guy has more talent than that person. This person has more money than that person. But you know, we all have the same of time. We all have 168 hours in a week. And you have to decide how are you going to use that time. The average American who lives the average American uh, lifespan will live 25,550 days. Now you have to decide what you're going to do with your 168 hours a week and 25,550 days uh, that you have on this earth. You need to decide that because we all get the same amount. See? God didn't differentiate and say, well, you know, we, that, that's what we, we all get time in the week. So how are you going to spend that time that you are given? We all have the same minute, okay? How are you going to spend that time? How are you going to invest that time? When, when, when you give a minute of your time, my friends, when you give any of your time, you will never get that time back again. That's how precious it is. That's how precious it is. Well, sometimes we just run around and don't even think about it. We get so busy with so many other things that the important things in life, they, they get pushed into the back until you wake up one day and your kid is singing, you know, Cats in the Cradle, whatever else, and you're wondering, where all my time? You know, oh, I should have spent more time with them, right? They're on Oprah telling your story. What a mean person you were. I didn't spend any time with them. That's what happens. We get so rushed. We have so many things going on. Dr. Richard Swenson is one of the world authorities on stress, and he wrote this. I've come to believe that the speed of society is as much responsible for the problems of personal and social dysfunction as any other single factor. Virtually all of our relationships are damaged by hurry. We're always in a hurry. Many families are being starved to death by velocity. We walk fast, we talk fast, we eat fast, and then we announce, sorry, I've got to run. God, I suspect, doesn't fit any better into our breakneck schedules than our children do. Chuck Swindoll said this, Busyness destroys relationships. It substitutes shallow frenzy for deep friendships. Busyness feeds the ego, but it starves those who love us. It fills the calendar, but it fractures the family. I totally agree. You know, and I think we could all, if I said, okay, who falls in that category? 80% of the people in this room would have to raise their hand, right? It's okay to admit that. We fracture our families as go, 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 go. So you say, well, how, how do I, now, now, see, now you're making me feel guilty. So how do I find more time to spend with my family? Wrong question. Wrong question. Your family, those you love the most, don't fit into your schedule. They are the schedule. They are the priority. They come first. They are number one. And all those other important things that at the end of eternity won't matter at all, won't matter a bit, won't count for anything. All those other things, they fit into the people that you love the most. You, they fit into that schedule. The people who you love, the people who love you are the priority. Everything else fits into them. You don't cram your, the people that you love into everything else that's going on in your life. What? more do you want from me? That's what people say. And we're all guilty of it sometimes. 
The reality is our mindset is wrong. They don't fit into your schedule. They are the priority. All of your schedule fits into them. And I understand we have to prioritize things and we have to go to work and we have to do uh, important things in our lives. But let me tell you, that is the most important thing. That is where we're going to be judged. God is going to focus on how much we love those who are around us and not so much of all the other things that we accomplished in our lives. So how do you find time to do that? That's the question. How do I, now, you know, people want now to say, well, how do, I, how do I show love to the people in my life that I want to show love to who love me and I love them? How, how, do, I, how do I do that? Well, let me share just a, a, a thought here. And I am not, this is not Jeff going after the ills of society, the terrible television. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't think TV's not evil. But I would say if you're looking to spend more time with the people you love the most, turn your TV off a little bit, turn your computer off a little bit, and turn your video games off a little bit. You say, I, don't, I, I just can't find the time to spend with my family because we go home and we watch reality shows about other people's families instead of working on the reality of our own families. Right? Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Instead of working on the reality of your own family and what the issues that are in your own family and what you need to do and how you need to show love to your own family, you watch reality shows about other people's families and it makes you feel better, I guess, because they're really dysfunctional and you're a lot better than nothing they are. But what you need is you're spending time on our own families. We become, listen, we become the spectator, right, instead of the participator. We become the spectator of, our, of, our, of those we love and not the participator, Participation takes discipline. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, it says, And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If it isn't sacrifice, my friends, it's not real love. If it isn't sacrifice, it is not real love. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You have to give. Love means giving something up. It means, listen, it, it, and I know this is hard, but you know what? That, that, uh, that tough, it's hard. So we, we all have to do it anyway. Here's what it means. It means I give up my agenda for your agenda. It means I give up my time for your time. It means I give up what I prefer to do for what you would prefer to do. It means that I give up what I would like to do today for what you would like to do today. It is sacrifice. It is sacrifice. It is putting the other person before yourself. It's putting the other person in front of yourself. That is sacrifice. That is discipline. That is love. I'm not number one in my family. I'm way down the totem pole in my family. I'm last. They are first. All of them are first. And their needs are first. And what they, what, they, what they want from me, if I get home, I mean, how many of us as fathers get home and we're totally exhausted and you get one of the little kids come up, can we play catch in the backyard? Can we play football a little bit? Can we do this? And you're exhausted. And you know what? It would, it would, from, from the world's perspective, you have every right to go and just read the paper for the rest of the night and not spend time with your children. But you know what? Love says I'll do what they would like to do today and not what I would like to do today. Now, obviously, there are times where you just physically can't do it, but that's not all the time, guys. That's not all the time. 
It's putting the other person before yourself. It is sacrifice. It is discipline. That is love. The truth is most of us here today are in time-starved relationships. We are in time-starved relationships. The best use of life is love. The best expression of of love is is time. So I have to ask the question, why then do we spend the least amount of time with the people we love the most? If we love these people the most, they should be getting the majority of our time. They should be our priority. I want to recommend that starting tomorrow, that this is what you do. Before your day even starts, before you even get out of bed, you sit on the side of your bed and you, and you talk to God and you say this to God. You say, God, if I accomplish nothing else today at all, if I accomplish nothing, nothing else, I want to learn to love you more. And that means spending time with you. And then you say, God, I want to, if I do nothing else today, I want to, I want to spend time with the people that you have given to me in my life that love me and who I love. I want to learn to love them more and I want to spend more time with them. Those are the two things that you need to do. If you love God with all of your heart that day, if you learn to love God more and to learn to love your family and those around you, your neighbors more, then that day counted, okay? It counted. If you do not love God with all of your heart and you do not love your neighbor as yourself, your family and those around you, then that day did not count. It is worth rubbish. It makes no difference. You completely wasted the day. In God's economy, in God's worldview, in a biblical worldview, that day was worth absolutely nothing. But I, I closed the greatest deal. I made so much money. It means nothing. If you did not love God that day, learn to love God more and love those around you, then that meant absolutely nothing. At the end of the day, it didn't count. Love is an action. Love is an action. It means taking time. It means making someone else's agenda my agenda. Putting them first. Putting them before myself. Robert A. Heinlein wrote, Love is that condition in which the happiness of another person is essential to your own. The happiness of another person is essential to your own. This is so hard, it boggles the mind. And you think, 40 days of love, oh man, oh that's, you know, love, love, boop, boop, in one ear, out the other. I'm going to tell you something, if we can learn to love just a little more like Jesus Christ loved, it is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. This is hard stuff I'm showing you. To put another person, to make another person, person's, you know, put another person first, their happiness as significant as your own happiness. You know, we can talk all day long about being Christians. We can talk about love and love and love all day long. But I'm going to tell you something. Biblical Christ-like love is the most difficult thing you will ever do in your life. And we can sit back here and say, no one wants to admit I'm not very loving. If I said, Who's not loving in this room? I doubt anyone would really raise their hand. Because because what they're doing is they're sitting back going, well, compared to this dude sitting next to me, I'm like Gandhi. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. I mean, I, I mean come on. But see, I'm not comparing you to the person sitting next to you. Who am I comparing you to? Jesus, exactly. And when I compare myself to Jesus, I get down like this, and I'm a little more humbled. When I, when I compare myself to Jesus, Jeff Greer is not very loving. 
And I have a lot of work to do to become more like my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't compare yourself to the person next to you. Think about 40 days of love as an opportunity to really grow, to grow in the area of love. When's the last time someone told you to grow in the area of love? How can I love God more? How can I love my neighbor as myself more? Law number three, the last one. The best use of time, the best time to love is now. The best time to love is right now. Jesus did not wait when it came to loving other people. The best time to love, my friends, is right now. There's no better time to show your love, to express your love. There's no better time than right now. Not tomorrow, not later, not someday, not one of these days, not when I get around to it, whatever else, right now. Now is the best time to love right now, the days you have right now, because not one of you here knows if they have another hour, if they have another day or another month or another year. You don't know what you have. You don't know what kind of time that you're going to have. So every moment you have is a time that you should be loving right now. Whatever you intend to do with your life, think about this. Whatever you intend to do with your life, you better do it right now. And that includes loving other people. If you have an opportunity to show love, you need to do it now. I have had the privilege of living two kind of lives. One, I've raised two adult children, two daughters, Kim and Jen. And now I have Josh, who's four. And I understand, I really understand how quickly time goes by. And you're going to be sitting around in a few years wondering, wow, boy, time really just flew. I don't understand. Where did time go? How did things get so far ahead of me? How did I lose track of all this? And I can guarantee myself one thing, okay? I can guarantee myself one thing. Children turn out different ways for different reasons, okay? At the end of the day, they're responsible for their own actions. But let me guarantee you something, and I will guarantee myself. If I don't spend time with my son Joshua now, right now, you will all be praying for me in about 10 years and feeling bad for Pastor Jeff because Josh is running wild and Josh got himself into trouble and Josh got picked up for this and Josh is doing that and Josh is disrespectful and Josh, 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 you'll all be praying for me or wondering why I'm still in the pulpit because my family's not in order, all those kinds of things. If I don't spend time with him right now, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm just talking about me. My experience is if I don't love my son with all of my heart, if I don't love him now, if I don't invest in him now, if I don't wrestle with him now, if I don't talk to him now, if I don't play with him now, if I don't explain things to him now, you ever watch a movie with a four-year-old? Have you? I forgot about this. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why did this person do this? Then you explain Why? And you explain that. Why? And you explain that. Why? The whole movie's why. I understand he's not even watching the movie. Every time he looks up and sees something, he gets why, 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 why. But if I don't answer all the why questions, you know what's going to happen? Break the relationship. He doesn't feel loved. He doesn't feel invested in. And I will be 10 years from now reaping what I have sown. The best time to love, my friends, is right now. Now is the time to do it. And Proverbs backs it up. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When you have it in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. 
So what am I saying? I'm saying do not procrastinate when it comes to giving love. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Do it right now. Do it right now. You are, I, I love you. I, I mean this with all my heart. I love you. If you don't take my advice on this, if you don't love your children now, if you don't invest in people's lives right now, you will pay such a dear price you wish you weren't living. You will agonize for the rest of your life over it. Love them right now. Invest in them right now. Do not proc- you can procrastinate on a whole bunch of other things. Do not procrastinate on loving other people. So, so, so what are you going to do about all this? You know, are you going to change? I mean, we've you know, gone through this now. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to basically look at 40 days of love and say, you know, that, that, what a good idea. You know, 40 days of love and, you know, uh, we talked about love and I felt lovey and I said a few loving things and it was nice. It was, uh, yes, people, what, how is it serious? It was nice. It's like people, when you ask people about a sermon, they didn't understand. Well, how is the sermon? They say, oh, it was deep. Oh, oh, it was deep. What did he say? Deep stuff. Oh, man, it was deep. It was deep. In other words, you had no idea what came out of the guy's mouth, okay? Way beyond what you... And it's like you gained nothing, but you want to be spiritual. And, oh, oh, deep. Oh, oh, deep. It's like love. Oh, how was the series? Oh, it was nice. Oh, it was nice. We talked about love. You know, it, oh, it was nice. If that's what all you get, my goodness, we have lost here. We, 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 this series will be a waste. What are you going to do? Are you going to grow? What are we going to do about this? How are we going to invest it in our lives? Let me, let me explain my, my goal for 40 days of, of love for me. My goal is to learn to love more, to learn to love better. I want to learn to be a more loving person. That's my goal. My personal goal is that I want to think through how can I be more loving? Because I know that one day, listen, I'm going to stand before God and he's not going to say, Jeff, so what did you accomplish in your life? God's not going to say that to me. He's not going to say, Jeff, what did you accomplish in your life? He's going to say, did you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind? Did you spend time with me? Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Did you spend time with them? More than anything else in my whole life, I want to be known as a person who loved God with all of his heart, soul, and mind and loved his neighbor as himself. That's what I want. I want to be known as that kind of person. I want people to look at me honestly and say, you know what? The dude may have hugged too much for me, okay? I sit in the middle at Grace Chapel because I don't want him hugging me. All right? He may have hugged too much, but you know, you know what? Seriously, he loved God. He loved God with all of his heart. And he did know how to love people. He really did. That's what I want people to say about me. I want them to say he knew how to love people. And for those of you here, like new, you're really new to the church, you know the reason I go around and hug people? No, I'm an affectionate person, and I grew up, in my, you know, my family's affectionate. But you know, the, you know one of the main reasons, the, the focal points of why I, I hug people? Because you never know how long a hug has to last someone. Just because you get hugged every day doesn't mean other people get hugged every day. Just because you get shown affection doesn't mean other people get shown affection. I've stood right out in this foyer right here with a teenager, a, a senior in high school, and I gave him a big hug and tears started coming down his face. And he said to me, you have no idea how long it's been since anyone has done that to me. Since anyone has shown me that kind of affection and given me a hug. You never know how long a hug has to last someone. 
and you never know who really needs one. You never know. You know, some people are just not hugging. That is great, but you know what's good too? A good handshake. Looking someone in the eye, letting them know you love them, you care about them. It's just the expression, a handshake. Why do you think psychology, they study, when you shake someone's hand and you pat them on the back at the same time, it mentally and emotionally does things for people. You ever been in a restaurant and the waiter will come along and, and appropriately, but they'll just put their hand, they'll touch your shoulder for a second? I pick up on that stuff. They're smart. They do it on purpose. They're really smart because that, that connects you with another person. We need to love each other. We need to show love to each other. I want to be known as someone who, who, is, who loves the Lord with all his heart and loves his neighbor as himself. And, I, and I'm hoping that is your desire for this series as well. I hope that's your heart as well. I hope, that you're, I hope to God that you are not satisfied with the kind of love the world offers us, the, the worldly love, which means I love people who love me. I want to love people who are hard to love. I want to love people who don't love or like me. I want to love people who have hurt me, who have been rude to me. I want to love people who have attacked me or have irritated me. I don't just want to love people because it's easy to love them, people who love me. That is not Christ-like love. I want to love like Jesus loved. When you're hanging on a cross, and I know I'll never experience that, but I can at least understand the concept. When you're hanging on a cross and the people who crucified you, the people who stuck the crown of thorns in your head, the people who whipped you until your back is open, you can see your insides, that you look and you say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They crucified him, they abused him, and he loved them in return. I may never get there, but I'm going to fight as hard as I can to get as close as I can to that point. That is what we're talking about. I'm not talking about love. Let's talk about love. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Okay? What I'm talking about is saying, I'm going to love this person who irritates me. This person who hurt my feelings. I have been written letters by people that would boggle your mind. You know, the greatest experience is to learn to love them. My grandfather, he is gone now, but what an abusive person he was when I was growing up, verbally abusive. You know what I got the, you know what I got the privilege, and I say this with all my heart, the privilege to do before he died? I got the privilege to sit by his bedside, read scripture to him, and clean the disgusting spit off of his face. I got the privilege to serve him. And the last few months of his life and the last few moments of his life, we bonded together in love because I love someone who was abusive to me. It was a privilege. I remember that and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I thank God every day is given the privilege to love people who didn't love me and didn't treat me the way it's easy, my friends. The Bible said it's, e it's easy to love those who love you. It is easy. What I'm asking you to do is Grace Chapel. What I'm asking you to do is this church is for the next 40 days, let's grow in the area of love. Let's love each other so much that there's nothing left that people can go, you know what really bothers me about her? You know what really bothers me about him? You know what I really don't like about this? You know what I really, let's love each other so much that we sit down and embrace each other and talk to each other and speak the truth in love. So there's not, after 40 days, there's nothing left really to talk about when it comes to, boy, you really aggravate me. Now, I may not want to go on vacation with you because we have different personalities, but I love you with all my heart, and that's what we need to do.
That's what we need to do. That's what we're talking about here. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. So for the next 40 days, that's what we're going to do. And here's your homework. I want you for the next, I want you for the next 40 days, if you could, sit down with people in your family as often as you can. Let me say this. So it's not just ridiculously difficult. Sit down as often as you can with the person in your family, and I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to take as much time as you can, and I want you to talk to them. I want you to talk to them, I want you to look at them, and I want you to listen to them. Listening is an expression of love. When you listen to someone, it says, I love you. Listen to them. You may have to apologize to someone. You may have to sympathize with someone. You may just need to reconnect with someone, but spend the time. And teenagers, you are not exempt from this. I am not saying your parents have to do this to you. I'm saying you have to do it for them. I don't know who died and decided that teenagers get away with it. When they hit 13 to 19 or whatever, they can get away with anything they want because, oh, you can't go near them, can't talk to them. Baloney, you're just people like the rest of us. The Bible doesn't say when you hit 13 to 19, that doesn't apply to you. I'm applying it directly to you. I'm saying that you have to go to your brother or sister, that you need to go to your mom or your dad, and you need to look them in the eye, and you need to talk to them and express your love in some way just by listening and, and, and spending time with them. You need, that's your homework. That's what you need to do. If it's hard, tough. <laughs> I'll do it. You do it. Tough. That's what we're called to do by God. Let's practice. Let's practice. Let's practice what Jeff is preaching to you, okay? You practice what I preach to you. I'll practice what I'm preaching to you as well, okay? So we need to spend time with them. The best, the best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time. And the best time to love is when? Now. Now. You want to change this church? You want to see this church explode? You want to see things get accomplished that we never could ever ask or imagine? You want to see God's promises fulfilled? Let's pull this one off. Let's love each other right now. We'll transform our own lives. We'll transform the lives of everyone around us. We'll transform our entire community. If we love the way Jesus loved and we do it right now, let's pray. God, we ask that you would only through you, Lord God. It's only through you. And we acknowledge that. Knee bowed before you. It is only through you that we can do what we're asking for. We want to love with all of our hearts. We want to love you with a heart, soul, and mind. We want to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to love our brothers and our sisters and our moms and our dads. We want to love those people that right now that we're aggravated with. We want, to, we want to forgive people. We want to come around them. We want to put those people before us. We want to put them before ourselves, Lord God. Not just tolerate them, but love them as much as we love ourselves. That is impossible without you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit flood our hearts and our minds and our bodies. May you take over this church and take over each one of us that we would love each other and that we would love those in our community and that we would love those at work so powerfully that lives would be literally led into your kingdom because we lead them through love into a relationship with you. God, we can't do it without you. We want revival and we want it now. We want transformation and we want it now. We're not demanding, we're asking, we're begging, we're pleading. It is our heart's desire. Give us revival in our hearts with love now so that we can see transformation, not only in our own lives as we are healed from within, but also in the lives of others that they're healed through our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.